So I need uh, two volunteers who like to help build things to start this time. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see, let's see. JB, let's steal you. And Ford, is that Ford? I can't see. Okay, lights are on my, um, let's steal you. All right, we got two builders. Why don't you come to this side? All right. You boys ready to do some building? All right, so here's what I need you to do. I need you to take all these blocks, build them on top of these bricks, cool? I need you to take all these blocks and build them on top of this little platform right here, cool? Think you could do that? Build however you want to build it, some kind of house or building, uh, some kind of structure that seems like a, a house, cool? All right, go ahead, there's no, there's no time limit. And when you're done, you could just be done, you don't have to keep going. So. Uh, Let's do a little bit of recap, just because I'm all about context and where we're at in the text. So Sermon on the Mount, what, have, what has Jesus been talking about up to this point? What are some of the main themes we talked about as part of the Sermon on the Mount? And for those of you who are new, we, we are a little more interactive. What have we been talking about? It's all about people, right? Yeah, that was a big theme that so much of the Sermon on the Mount is actually how we relate to people. What else? What was that? The good eye versus the bad eye. So uh, there was definitely a lesson on how we actually see the world. Do we see the world um, almost in that Genesis 1 view as opposed to sometimes the Genesis 3 view? Do we see it as, as God would see it, that, that he created things that are good, that there's potential in what he created, that ultimately there's a bend towards a... a, a um, um, a reconciliation of all things that God has for the world uh, versus always looking for what's wrong and always looking for where things are terrible and always having sort of almost the, the pessimistic view of life. What else? Those are good ones. There we go. What was that? Yeah, we talked a lot about judgment, the, the word crino, what does that mean in the text, and what is good judgment versus bad judgment, which uh, when someone said it's all about people, that, that covers so many of these themes. But, um, and we talked about sort of the, even the opening, the, the sort of blessed be, the, 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 the sort of upside down nature of what Jesus was inviting so many of his followers into, that he came along and kept saying things that would have been very unexpected, that, that the meek are the ones who are going to be blessed that uh, the ones who are mourning are actually the ones who are close to God. And so um, that's, it's that invitation, that upside-downness to it all. So this is an easy object lesson for today. Are you guys good? You guys ready to see if the things hold up to some storms? Yes? No? Forward? Not yet? Okay. At some point, your hands are going to get wet if you aren't ready. So... All right, so I'm going to read this text again. Cool. Let's start over here. So, remember the text? Remember what I read? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. So it's brick, but that's close enough. On rock. And when the rain fell, I need to hold this a little differently. When the rain fell, the flood came. What happened? Let's see. Wow, that is not a rain shower, but... What's happening? Is it falling? No. No, it's founded on the rock. It's a good thing. I haven't actually tried this yet, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them. It's like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And when the rains came, 
<laughs> Phil's probably freaking out back there. I'm gonna get electrocuted as we go. So what happened? Yeah, because it was, why? Why did it break? Yeah, because of the sand, right? And the sand's just going to not hold up under the weight of rain and storms, right? Thank you, boys. I appreciate it. Right? And, and I mean, Jesus is not teaching an abstract analogy, right? Um, it's pretty straightforward. But there is, I would argue, a little bit of nuance. Now, when I say sand, what do you think of? The beach, yeah? Beach, sometimes like seashores. We, we call things beaches here in Georgia when it's the lake. Uh, but, uh, but we have those kind of places, yeah. The difficulty is actually, once again, in the language, the word sand, the word amos, um, if it, there's a modifier that can carry that assumes seashore sand. But in this text, it doesn't. So if you are a people who live in sort of a rocky des- desert type place, and you hear the word sand, what do you think of? Right, a desert. And you probably actually think more, mostly of this. These are called wadis, and they're all over Israel. Uh, they are the areas between mountain faces. So when rain comes and rain falls on all the hard rock, what happens to all that rain? It works its way down into these wadis that are full of sand and they become actually flash floods and things like that quite often. So you have this sort of experience. So when they're thinking of sand and rock, and actually the word rock there is actually cliff face, they're gonna think a little more of this, of where to build your house. Are you gonna build your house on, on the top of one of these cliffs? Are you going to build your house down in the wadi? You're going to build your house where the sand is, where flash flooding and everything that destroys things comes pretty regularly. Now, it's not uncommon to build houses on sand. We still do this to this day. Like underneath this concrete is probably a layer of gravel, and below that is probably a layer of sand. It's super common. We, we build on sand all the time. And do you know why we build on sand? because it's really easy to do. It's easy and it's cheap, right? It, 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 building on rock is actually quite a bit harder, right? If you had a small structure and you need to drive a little bit into the ground to, in order to put up some post, which is going to be easier, sand or hard rock? Sand, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a, simple, it's a simple thing. And so we have, in the last week, I mean, even of Jesus's teaching, he's talking about a, a, a narrow way that few go through and it's hard and a wide path that is common for everybody but leads to destruction. And, and we kind of talked about that last week around it being, there's a specific way that Jesus is calling his people and particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, calling his people to live that is countercultural, that is upside down, that they will experience persecution if they actually live this out. And, and there's no simplicity to it. And I think he's carrying that over into this teaching around rocks and sand. Because guess what? If you, if you were a person, you wanted to build a house really quickly, building it down in the wadi is going to be simple. It's going to be quick. You could put up a structure very, very simply. And if you want to build on the rock, it's going to be more work. It's going to be more time. It's going to be more effort in order to do so. So hearing Jesus' words and doing them is not the easy pathway, once again. It's going to be diligence and effort. But in so doing, there's a life that's actually more anchored than, um, 
than the wide path, than the, than the um, and more ready for whatever comes than the one who is not. I think that's the invitation I think Jesus has on the table for his audience. And once again, we have to know that Jesus does not say here, those who believe in me are like a man who builds upon. That's not the phrasing Jesus uses. This is not a cognitive recognition of who Jesus is. Jesus very plainly says in this text, everyone, is that us? Yeah, well, we're not the original audience, but when he says everyone and we have just heard the sermon, that, that does in, in some ways apply for us. So everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Does them. Not simply believes in them, but lives them out. Which words? According to Matthew so far? Certainly the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus will have additional words that he will certainly speak throughout this book. So, we build a house. Now, what do you think Jesus refers to when he speaks of someone building a house? What was that, Stephen? Maybe. I mean, that certainly happens in first century culture. Like, you get married and you go build a house. And so, we, we can pick up on that analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I think part of it, too, is, is, um, is what you build, a, a life that's built. So when you would get married and you build a house, you're building your house for the future life that you have with somebody else. And I think Jesus is using the building of a house as an analogy of the kind of lives that we actually build for ourselves. And that looks like, I would argue, putting Jesus' words into practice. That's what he's saying. Those who follow my words are like someone who builds a house. And as some would call it, I would argue it's the practicing the way of Jesus. Now, what might it look like to actually do the things that Jesus has called us to? What, what does practicing the way of Jesus look like? What are some of the things that Jesus has done that he calls us to do also? Yeah, treat others the way you ought to be treated, the, the way you want to be treated is certainly one of them. What else? Generosity is certainly going to be one of them. He's called us people to pray. He's called us people to enemy love. He's called us into that, certainly. He's called us into uh, fasting, actually, in chapter 6. Yeah. He's called a community together. There's some community practices of the people that he's calling to be the sort of counter community that he is creating. He will eventually call people into Sabbathing, call people into hospitality and how we treat the outsider. He speaks about all of these things as a way to, to build a life, that we put our faith in him and we live like our rabbi and we put all these things into practice. And Jesus is calling his followers into this unique life. One that seems unnatural, and it should seem at times impossible, because that's why we need Jesus, at least by our power. We can't do it, and he gives us a spirit, empowers us to walk in this new way, to actually live out these teachings, and in so doing, build our house on rock. So we look at rock face, we go, that is really difficult, and Jesus gives us the strength to do it, and a life marked by the ways of Jesus and the fruit of the spirit, which is, good Bible trivia, Fruit, spirit. Good job, kids. That's one of those good old Sunday school memorizations. Because what is coming, according to the text? What's coming to the houses? Storms, right? 
And does it say that a person who builds his house on a rock never has a storm come their way? No. That's really important, too. This is not prosperity by Jesus. It is, look, build your house upon rock or you can build your house upon sand, but guess what? Storms are coming to both. And storms are part of the human experience. Sometimes it comes through sadness and pain and hurt from friends and family. Sometimes it's disappointment that things don't go the way you wanted them to go. Sometimes you were trying to get the right things and it turns out really poorly. Sometimes health and things like that. Lost loved ones. There's all sorts of things, particularly circumstantially, that could be storms of life. And it doesn't mean they're not hard. Because Jesus said, like, the storms beat against the house. Some of you come in here right now and you feel like a storm has been beating against your house. And it's harsh. And you are weary of the storm. But... What does Jesus promise? That if your house is built upon the right things, there's endurance in the midst of that. We get a similar picture in the book of Hebrews, right? We we hear the writer of Hebrews speak about faith like this anchor, an anchor to our soul. Now, what does an anchor do? Kids or adults, I'm good either way. What? Yeah, it keeps the ship where it needs to be, right? It stays tethered to something that's more stable than the top of the ocean, right? So the ocean breezes can blow, the waves can crash, but the thing that's tethered to is a stationary rock at the bottom of the ground, right? And I think it's the same picture here, that we're held and we're secured by that sort of things. And so hard moments in life, and it becomes, to, it helps us see what we're actually anchored to. Take COVID. I think it showed for a lot of people what we were actually anchored to. When, when suddenly all the pressures that, that seemed to put on many people's lives were suddenly there, we got to see where our souls are really anchored to. And when friends are hard, when family is hard, when school is hard, when situations of life come, when tragedy strikes, when things are not going your way, what is your house built upon? And are we living out what Jesus has called us into? This upside down new way of life that he has invited his followers to step into. Or do um, uh, Sarah uh, put this quote, and I've seen it rephrased multiple times, but what we do in the dark is what we practice in the light. And the storms come, and like if you're not in a storm season, what are the things that you are putting in place and building and putting? Because often, like if you, we have builders right behind us right now who are building. When the storms come, guess what? They're nowhere to be seen right now. Because you often build things when the storms are not in that moment. And so for those of us who aren't in the midst of the storm, it's now. Now is the moment to go, okay, what am I doing? What am I practicing? So that when the storms come, when the things come in life, that I'm anchored, I'm tethered to Jesus, our Savior. To live in the way of Jesus and to trust in his perseverance through the storms. And then Jesus closes, and he speaks with this, verse 28, or the writer of uh, Matthew says this, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So all these words that we are um, to hear and to put into practice or do as Jesus has just said, they don't come as mere advice. They're not a self-help book. It's not a therapist or life coach. It's not the newest life hack to make your life easier. That's not what's being presented here. Because Jesus speaks with a unique authority, or in the Hebrew, the shmikah of Jesus, a sort of uh, unique authority. 
that in the first century they would have understood in some ways because there was a type of ordained authority in their days. There was only actually a few rabbis uh, in history that ever had it, a a sort of unique um, authority that was uh, given where they would be able to bring um, new interpretation to scripture, a new way of understanding what the Old Testament was actually saying. And the scribes certainly were never given that shmika, the, the authority. But how Jesus was interpreting the Torah, how he was speaking, the authority of which he said, you have heard it said, but I say to you, the ability to do that, they all go, I don't know where he got this authority, but he's, he's wielding it. It's very clear that what Jesus is saying carries with it some gravitas, some weight. There was something different about this itinerant rogue rabbi from Galilee that struck a chord with the crowds that were listening to him an authority that will get continued to get unpacked throughout the rest of the Gospels. I need one more object lesson. So this one I need uh, maybe like four or five volunteers for this one. Um, Hannah, you want to come up? Brennan, you want to come up? Imogen, you want to come up? Hannaford, I forget her name. What, does she want to come up? Yes, yes, sorry. Uh, sure, both grandkids. No adults want to raise their hand? Quinn, you know what you'd come up to. All right. I actually need one of you to leave. Quinn, I'm going to make you leave, okay? You all come back. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go out those back doors and leave and um, go out the back doors and leave and your mom will get you and bring you back in a second. So, have you guys ever done follow a leader um, in like rhythm ways, like where you clap, the one person has to clap and you're in a circle, come here, we're not building anything, come here, come here, come here, bring it in, bring it in, Brandon, come on, right here. All right, everybody in. Have you ever done follow the leader where it's like patterns and rhythms, where one person is in charge, where they have to clap or pat their head, and then everyone has to follow that. Cool, have you ever done that? Okay, it used to have, a, I think, a very much more racist name that we don't repeat anymore, but um, it was this rhythm, this pattern. So, I'm gonna need one of you who is in charge. It would probably be best, actually, to be you. So, Hannah, no offense, Finn. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't a knock on you. Don't touch it, don't touch it. So, what, what you're gonna do is you guys are gonna form a circle, and Hannah's going to be in charge, but here's what you got to do. Everybody can't look at Hannah, because otherwise, when Quinn comes in, she's going to know. Quinn has to figure out who's in charge, okay? And if she comes in, and all of you are looking at Hannah for the cues, then she's going to, to be very clear that Hannah's in charge, but she, she needs to know. She needs to guess who it is, okay? All right, girls, girls, bring it, bring it back in. I'm losing you. So... We'll see how this goes. So, so what you need to do is set patterns. So it'll be like, let, let's just practice. So we'll all start patting our, our legs. So, so pretend I'm in charge right now. And then one of us will switch. And then we all need to start switching. Okay? And then maybe even pat your head, something like that. Okay? So everybody will do that. Girls, do you want to join us? Do you want to join us or you just want to build? Okay. <laughs> do you want to join or you just want to build? You want to keep building? Great. All right. So it'll be the five of us. Why don't we do it that way? And so we'll set the patterns, and Quinn will have to guess who's in charge, okay? So you'll set the pattern, so you understand? Cool. All right. 
you can bring Quinn back in. Don't set the pattern yet. So Quinn, one person is in charge and is going to do, do something that the rest of us are following. And you got to figure out who is in charge, okay? And so somebody will set a pattern at some point. Well, we can all do our own thing, but then we'll start following somebody at some point, okay? So whoever wants to start us can certainly do that. Starter of pattern, there you go. So who's in charge, Quinn? Ah, you got it right away. Good job, y'all. That's all I need you to do. All right, you guys can return to your seats, including you ladies. Can you get back to your seat? Thank you. Brandon, can you go back to your seat? Thanks. Can you go back? Do you need me to help you? Yes, come on, let's, let's head out of here. Go on. All right. Your mama's coming to get you. <laughs> so, three things I think we learned from this moment. First, if I sat there and didn't do anything, would I be following a leader? No. And I think too often in the church we say things like, well, I'm doing that in my heart. I'm following Jesus in my heart. We're like, go love your neighbor. Cool. Well, I went home and I did a word study of go love your neighbor. And then I got together with a group of people and we discussed what neighbor love was really all about. And now we're back again. Now, would I be following the leader Jesus in that moment? No. Like, it, it wouldn't be doing the thing that Jesus simply called us into doing, right? Now, second... At some point, if people are watching your life, what are they going to see? What did Quinn notice? That one person was clearly the leader. There was something that everybody was patterning themselves after. And so if that's actually happening, if, if there's a community particularly that's following the leader together, people on the outside are going to go, you guys are all patterning yourselves after somebody else. What does that look like? And they start seeing the one who actually has the real authority, the shmikah, the, the authority that Jesus carries. And they're going to look at that and go, yes, there's somebody that, that is really the leader that you all are following. And that's how Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount, that they may see the good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Not just hear your good words, not just hear your great theology and doctrine, but actually see the way you are living and how that actually changes things. Now, how do we follow Jesus, our leader? How do we follow Jesus, our leader? Yeah. I mean, it certainly starts by faith, that we simply trust in him. But the, out, the outgoing, the outworking of that is, yes, yeah, one of those is, is knowing his word, right? Like, these are his words that we are to put in action, but we have to know the words to begin that, with that. What else? You just wanted me to call on you? <laughs> What else? What was that? Yeah, practicing sort of all the practices of the faith, um, the, the sort of trellis stuff that builds up our faith, the practices of God. Yeah, worship's a wonderful one, and, and being in the community and worshiping together and devoting our lives to him. I think imitating him, 
That's why Paul will say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like what I am doing is imitating my rabbi, imitating my savior, seeking to become like him. That's how we follow. That's all, that's all we were doing to Hannah, right? We were imitating the patterns and behaviors of the leader. And we as followers do the same thing. So we've heard the words of Jesus. We've actually spent weeks now hearing the words of Jesus. We're going to get back into some narrative action next week. But we've been listening to the words of Jesus. And Jesus has called us now as followers of him to go and to do. J.C. Ryle says, we must be holy because this is the most likely way to do good to others. Our lives are a silent sermon which all can read. I believe that far more is done for Christ's kingdom and for, by the holy living of believers than we are, are at all aware of. There is a reality about such living that makes men feel, and men and women, this dated at this time, and obliges them to think. It carries a weight and influence with it which nothing else can. It makes religion beautiful, draws men to consider it like a lighthouse seen from afar off. You may talk to persons about the doctrines of the Gospels, and few will listen, and still fewer understands, understand. But your life is an argument that none can escape. There is a meaning about holiness, which not even the most unlearned can help taking in. They may not understand justification, but they can understand charity. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into, to go and to be light and salt into the world. As we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount, may we do that. Yes, I am all for understanding justification by faith and these wonderful big doctrines. But at the same time, the Sermon on the Mount, I'm not in that camp that goes, the Sermon on the Mount was just one-upping holiness for us to always know our need for Jesus. Because Jesus ends it and goes, go do all the things I just told you to go do. He's inviting us into this upside-down kingdom living that he is establishing and helping us understand that this is what God's kingdom is actually about. And he's calling us to participate in him. And yes, through his death, he dealt with sin and all the ways that we messed this up in the process. But by faith, we are forgiven, cleansed, and he puts his spirit in us and goes, you're in power now. Part of the good news of Jesus was the fact that he also ascended and put his spirit in us and calls us as followers to go do the same thing, to go live it out. That we're not helpless, but that we have the greatest power living inside of us to actually go and do the things that Jesus has called us to do by faith. It doesn't win any favor with him. We already have that. It doesn't win any love with him. We already have that. But it certainly shows off his glory into this world. So may we go do the same. And so uh, we are going to move into a time of communion, which we do here weekly. Uh, it's something we, that is central to what we celebrate as a church. 